Hi, this is Keisha. Welcome to the Face to Face podcast. So glad that you are able to join me. Um, I have a little something that I feel like I'm supposed to share. I had a dream and it was a peculiar dream but nonetheless I do believe that it was a warning to the body of Christ for this hour. Uh, there is a lot of there's a lot of deception and I think if you have been listening right along you would you can tell that kind of the place that God has been taking me is into this place of talking about how easy it is to be deceived if we are not living and abiding in Christ in that face-to-face -face relationship. We cannot follow after man. We cannot follow after religion. We cannot follow simply after doctrine. We must be in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything that I'm going to say um, from this point forward, the dream that I'm going to talk about, I, I really feel like it's important for me to say two things as a disclaimer. There is nothing that the Lord expects you to do in and of yourself. You have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is not works. Nothing about your relationship with Christ is about works. It comes from turning to Jesus being willing to walk away from your old life and follow after him. That you invite him to partake in your life with you. And just as I talked about in the podcast about faith in Jesus and baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, those things are vital to our walk with Christ because we cannot do what we're called to do in our own strength. Christ knew that. That's why he paid our penalty on the cross and he overcame sin and death and evidenced that overcoming power when God raised him from the dead on the third day. And I know that he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us always. But it is so easy to get our eyes off of him. And I, I do believe that that's where this, this dream comes into play that God gave me. So I had been in this frame of mind um, probably around June, July, uh, early in August, I just really had been, had felt like the Lord was showing me some things in scripture that I had been blind to before. There were things about end times and, um, the, uh, the, the rapture of the church which I know there is, there are many different viewpoints about the rapture. And I really don't hold one specific position, but there are a lot of people. If you go on YouTube and type in rapture dreams, there's just, there's so many common everyday people that 
have been having these dreams like they've never had a YouTube channel before and all of a sudden or they did have a YouTube channel it had nothing to do with their Christianity and then just all of a sudden they're like listen I had this really crazy dream and I feel like I'm supposed to share it and I don't even know how I ended up I think I had just come across one on YouTube and something about the um, the way that this young woman was speaking really resonated with me and some things that God had been speaking to my own heart and it kind of confirmed and validated some stuff. And I know that the word says that we we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. And Jesus, very specifically in um, Matthew 24 and part of Matthew 25, especially with the parable of the ten virgins, he did give us some things to watch for when the times were winding down and the end was near and here. Um, so, of course, you know, my the cry of my heart since the beginning of my walk with the Lord has always been, please do not let me be deceived, God. Please make sure that I am in touch with the truth. So, a friend of mine uh, was walking with me one night. We had been walking a couple nights a week, um, really pressing in and just and just seeking God's face. And I had just this impression on my heart that God was telling me that I would be a Noah of sorts. Um, not specifically like Noah, I'm not going to build an ark, <laughs> but Noah was called to do something and be something in a time when it did not line up with what others believed. And he was mocked and ridiculed and, you know, made, made to, had a lot of people treated him like he was a fool. And so, you know, I had, I had prayed during our walk in this one evening in particular. And I said, God, if, if you want me to, you know, talk about the rapture or whatever it is that you want me to talk about, would you please give me a dream about that subject so that I can know it's from you? The Lord talks to me a lot in dreams, and I know when it's a dream from God because he uses a lot of symbolism in the dreams, and it causes me to have to dig and really, really look for the meaning of what he's trying to say. But then when I do interpret and I do um, allow the Holy Spirit to lead me through that interpretation, I always find this amazing message. But I know the difference between when it's just a, a regular dream and a dream from God. So I knew that this was a way that was outside of my control that God could use to speak to me. So that very night, I had a dream that I know was from the Lord. And in this dream, I was in what looked like a subway station. And I was trying to get people around me. There were people that I knew in the dream and cared about very deeply. And I was urgently trying to tell people that we needed to leave, that there were, there were zombies and we needed to leave. And there was this, this tunnel 
that we needed to go down in order to get to safety. But no matter how much I would plead with the people around me, no one was listening. Everyone was acting like, you know, I, I wasn't even talking. They were just ignoring me. And I became upset and frantic. And I'm trying to gather people together. And it kind of looked like they were going to come with me. And then they kind of changed direction. I, I just, I felt like they were asleep or something. Like sleepwalking. They just, they weren't even hearing me. And, you know, I realized that everybody was kind of moving out toward, instead of coming with me, they were moving out toward this parking garage out in broad daylight. And I went chasing after these people and I'm saying, no, no, we can't go out there. You can't go out there. And, you know, I was, I was telling I was telling them, you've got to take cover. You can't just be out in the open like this. We've, we've got to go back in. And all of a sudden, I saw these zombies coming after us. And I quickly jumped into a car in, that was in the parking garage. I jumped into the car for safety. But it was almost like the people around me couldn't see what I was seeing that nobody was, nobody was responding. It was really like they were just sleepwalking themselves. And I just, I was so panicked. And then all of a sudden, somebody that I cared about very, very much was overtaken by one of these zombies. And I quickly woke up and my heart was racing in my chest. And I just opened my eyes and I was like, God, what was that? <laughs> I was just so distraught because I'm, I personally cannot stand like zombie shows, zombie movies. I have always been a scaredy cat. <laughs> so the fact that this was a dream that God had given me and I knew it was I knew it was from him as soon as I woke up I knew it was from him I felt the symbolism in it and I was like what what is this why did why did you give I asked you to give me a rapture dream and and you give me a a dream about zombies and uh you know so of course I'm I'm still feeling the emotions that I felt in the dream. I was so overwhelmed by the fact that these people that I loved and cared about, I knew they were going to be overtaken by these walking dead. And so I, I really did just kind of tuck it away for a couple of days. I think I did tell um, my prayer partner uh, I did tell her about the dream. I said, but I don't know what to make of it. I said, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, and I think because I was, I was looking for something in particular, for in particular from God. And that was definitely not, I was like, I really don't think that was a rapture dream. Um, but I, but I knew it meant something. So I just, I kind of sat on it for a little bit and, and I did the interpretation and, um, you know, just, uh, was trying to understand what it was God wanted me to see. But I, I did the interpretation and, uh, came to find that a zombie in a dream uh, can mean a Christian who claims to be alive, but who is without true spiritual life. Um, a subway station can actually represent the church. And when I, when we were in the subway station, the, the zombies were not there. They weren't 
they weren't in that place, but I knew that they were outside of this subway station. And I knew that we had to take the narrow path. We had to take that narrow corridor in order to get to safety, to be in a place where we wouldn't be in harm's way. A parking garage is a representation of going nowhere. And when we were in the parking garage, I felt like we were out in the open and very exposed. And of course, this is where the attack was able to happen. I felt like, you know, and as I was pondering the dream, because it kept coming back to my mind over and over again, and I I felt like there was there was a warning behind it. I felt like the the sense of of what God was showing me in the dream as simplistic as it was that it was a warning, but I I couldn't get it. I wasn't I wasn't understanding. And I just was one evening it was just mulling it over in in my mind again saying, "Lord, what what is it that you want me to see in this because I'm just I'm feeling like I'm I'm blind to what you're trying to show me, but I do feel urgency upon it. And I heard the Lord speak to my heart. He said, Keisha, you see dead people. (laughs) And I actually laughed out loud. I was like, okay, first you, you basically put me in a, episode of The Walking Dead. And now I get a pun from another movie. I see dead people. This is great. Okay. And I'm like, okay, yeah. All right. Let's go with it. How do you, how do you see that I see dead people? And he began to remind me of the burden that he has placed on my heart over the past few years for recognizing the difference between religious Pharisees and those who are true abiders in Jesus Christ. And he took me into the scripture because I always... I always ask the Lord for scriptural confirmation of things that he's trying to show me. And he took me in the scriptures to 1 John 3.13. And actually, I'm going to back it right up to 1 John uh, 3.11. Where it says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And when I read verse 14, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. It just hit me. This was the comparison. You know, that zombies, they're Christians who claim to be alive, but who are without true spiritual life. This verse right here was the evidence of what the Lord was trying to say to me. He was showing me that 
there are many who flaunt their morality and they flaunt their spiritual life and maybe even flaunt their gifts and their talents and how well they serve and you know they're doing all these things and I'm not saying that those things are not important and I'm not saying that those things are not necessarily good fruit but this scripture here tells us that we are truly alive in Christ because of the way and our evidence of that is by the way we love the brothers. I mean, it's very clear, very cut and dry. Whoever does not love abides in death. That's powerful. And there are so many people within the church who are either walking around deceived or unaware because church for a very long time has become something other than what the Lord intended it to be. The church was always meant to be a place where the brethren displayed powerful love for one another. That Jesus, before he went to the cross, when he was down on his knees, washing the feet of his disciples and said, this is how they will know that you are my disciples is by the way you love one another. And of course, we know that the scripture says that we have passed from death into life. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So if we have faith in Jesus, if we have true, if we have true faith in Jesus, this is just fruit that we're going to bear. And Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And the fruit that we're expected to bear gives us the ability to obey the command that he then gives us in John 15, which is to love one another. And it says very clearly, again, I say it, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. I mean, I don't know about you, but that just, that pierces my heart and that overwhelms me with a desire to really know what he means by that. I don't want to be in a position where I don't have eternal life abiding in me. I don't want to be walking around claiming to be alive but without true spiritual life. And I, I believe that there are two sides because the the people that I was the people that I was warning weren't the zombies. And a lot of them were people that I knew to be very new believers. They were people that were fresh to their faith. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that there's, there's this naivety and people are led in the wrong direction or they're just, they're not willing to hear what certain people have to say. And, and that was like the one part of the dream that was really, really bothering me the most 
was the fact that I was warning people and no one heard me. And I found myself saying, but Lord, I feel like you're telling me to share this. And, you know, he reminded me that, you know, Noah, Noah was a living testament of what God had spoken and no one was really willing to believe him either. But I do feel like it's always worth, it's always worth sharing things in obedience even if you feel like you may not be heard because there's always that possibility that there's one. And our Lord will leave the 99 for the one if it means that he can rejoice in bringing them home. You know, so I share what I share with that hope in my heart that that there is somebody who maybe is going to hear what I say and they're going to realize that they're either being led astray or, you know, they're feeling like they're in a place where they're, they're going to be overwhelmed by these people that claim to be Christians but they're actually harmful or maybe even it's somebody who has been living a religious life and, and, and maybe you are kind of recognizing, you know, you've never really heard anybody talk this way about the scriptures before and you kind of feel a little agitated at what I'm saying. Like, who do I think I am? Well, I want to tell you, if that's how you feel about what I'm saying right now, I would really ask that you would take a step back and ask yourself, how is my walk of love? How well do I follow the commands of Jesus Christ? Get in the word and read 1 John in its entirety, because I'm telling you, it's powerful in its entirety and get into John 13, 14, and 15. And dig it out for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. I'm just, I'm being a messenger. And if you're feeling agitated by what I'm saying, or you're feeling, you're feeling threatened by what I'm saying, or, you know, the enemy doesn't want you to hear what I'm saying. So take that as a, as a reason to dig a little deeper. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And I don't say what I'm saying for your condemnation. I'm saying it because I genuinely care about the body of Christ. I don't know who listens to this. I don't know what your background is or, but just know that I pray for every person who listens to my podcast, that God would use whatever it is I'm going to say for his glory and his glory alone. And that those who have been deceived would be awakened. Those who have been rejected and harmed by religious garbage that God would breathe life into them and that that we would even if I can't talk directly to you that you would enter into this conversation with me through the spirit and that you would know that there is life when you when you come before the Lord and ask questions and dig deeper and you want to know, you know, the Lord would rather that you engage with him. No matter how you're engaging with him, he would rather you're engaging with him. So yeah, I I don't know who needed to hear that because that one, that one just kind of 
rose up in my spirit that apparently somebody's going to hear this and, and they needed to hear that particular thing. Go back and listen to that over and over again if you have to. But uh, just know that the Lord loves you and that every time he asks one of his children to share something, um, it is always with the intention of bringing his lost sheep home. It is always with the intention of bringing us to a place of repentance so that he can breathe new life into us. And, and something else that I, I really feel to touch on is it says in 1 John 3.15, it says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You know, and our first inclination is to go, oh, well, I don't hate anybody. I, I don't, I don't have any hate in my heart toward anybody, but here's the thing. Our modern translation of the word hate is actually very different than what the Hebrew translation of hate is. Now, it says um, in Genesis 29.31, it says that uh, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And it tells us in Deuteronomy... Um, That, oh, I'm sorry, it says in Genesis 33, 9, that God hated Esau. Well, we know that God didn't necessarily hate Esau. So, in the way that we think of hate, like, we attach hate to be like this venomous, rage-filled, um, passionate display of violence and vulgarity. And in fact, that's not necessarily the case. The biblical Hebrew of hate means loving someone or something less, to turn away from, to be indifferent towards. And when you look at it in that context, you definitely can see all the ways that we could hate our brethren. You know, it tells us in the book of James that it is a sin to have partiality toward our brethren. Well, I believe that that hate and partiality are very much intertwined in the scripture. You know, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Jacob had partiality toward Rachel and although Leah was his wife as well he was indifferent toward her his actions toward her in the biblical sense were hateful he didn't abuse her he didn't um, doesn't say that he neglected her but in the biblical context Jacob hated Leah he was indifferent to her and he loved her less than he loved Rachel. And there are so many times that I myself have experienced where, you know, especially during times of hardship in my life. And uh, my husband and I had attempted on many occasions to connect with the body of Christ, we went looking for 
um, greater pastoral care because we were struggling so horribly because of what my husband was going through with his brain tumor. And it had burdened our, our family life. And so we went looking. And it, it was shocking to me to see how people really just, they didn't want to get involved in our mess. Because it was hard. <laughs> it was hard stuff. And everybody was okay. And everybody was cool with the superficial we'll see on Sunday stuff. But when we really reached out for help. And we had actually on two separate occasions asked pastors. So we desire to be discipled. We know that we're struggling but very much aware of the fact that our struggle comes from not knowing Jesus intimately enough. We want to be discipled. And unfortunately, we were not responded to in a way that we had expected. And uh, according to the Bible... That indifference is actually hate. Has there ever been a time that you have found yourself in a position where you were hurting and someone that you thought would be helpful to you or a friend to you, they just began ignoring you or drawing away. Have you yourself ever been in a position where you have had someone come to you and you, the role was reversed? Someone was reaching out to you and, and desired to uh, have that have that fellowship with you and you were too busy or you were too overwhelmed by your own life and, and you just made the decision to disconnect and, and not, not respond. It, it's not the way that God intended the church to be. In fact, the best representation of what Jesus desired for his church is in four, Acts 4, starting in 32. And it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said, that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So, could you imagine? Could you imagine the church functioning? The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. One heart and soul. I mean, that's just, that's mind-blowing. But it, but it is the, it is the pinnacle of what the church is supposed to look like. And it's only with, if you back up 
if you back up to 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. If we really want to see revival, we first of all have to be abiders personally. In our own private walk with the Lord, we have to be abiders. We have to be seeking after the face of Jesus. We have to desire his lordship in our life. And the more that we seek after him, and when we come together in that, that koinonia, then there's, there's power that comes through the Holy Spirit that'll bring us to the place where the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. There's a healing that takes place, an inner healing that takes place when the Holy Spirit fills the believers. I believe that the, the fire that the Lord desires to release on the church comes from this place of us being willing to recognize our shortcomings how we're not loving each other the way that we're supposed to. I'm not even doing this perfectly. Don't, don't think for one minute that this is condemnation, that I'm pointing a finger and saying, I'm loving perfectly and you all are messing up. Not the case. What I am saying is that we each individually have to take responsibility for claiming that we're alive when in fact we're like the walking dead and that we would desire to come before him and repent and ask that he would fill us afresh day by day that we wouldn't make this about our works we wouldn't make this about looking better than everybody else. We wouldn't make this about, you know, surrounding ourselves only with people that make us feel good about ourselves all the time. That that we would we would abide in Christ and we would be aware of the fact that we desperately need his life within us. We need his life flowing through our veins or we're nothing. And with that said, I'm going to end this out by reading a few scriptures that the Lord had given me after I'd had this dream as a confirmation of what his word really has to say about this, that this isn't just my opinion, that I am resonating with the Holy Spirit in this and yeah, that, uh, It's, you know, the, the word, the word is a double-edged sword. So I, I pray that as I read these scriptures, that it quickens your spirit and that you would, you would join me in this place of longing for the full number of those who believe to be of one heart and soul. In 1 John 2, 5, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 1 John 2, 29, If we know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. 1 John 3, 9-10, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, 
for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 1 John 4, 20-21 If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, must also love his brother. 1 John 5 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I do believe there is a lot of, a lot of stuff to uh, unpack in, in those scriptures. I encourage you to go back, write them down, and read them for yourself. Read 1 John in its entirety to get the context and the meat of of what I'm talking about. I truly believe that we are in these end times, that we are living, we are to be living from the revelation that John had. And, of course, John was the apostle who stuck by the Lord and didn't leave him as the others did when he went to the cross. John was right there at his feet with Mary and Mary. And John was the apostle that was given the revelation He, he definitely uh, had a different mandate than the other apostles. And, and I truly believe that we are to function out of that revelation that John had of God's love and the love of Christ and the love that compelled him to take the cross. And, you know, it was, it was the display of love that Jesus gave us that we're supposed to follow that example. He said that we will look like his disciples when we love one another. Are we willing to fight for that unity? Are we willing to press into the Lord and seek that which we know to be true? Or will we choose to continue to be passive and not heed the warnings or will we choose to be okay with simply saying that we're Christians but on the inside that's that spirit of life is not dwelling within us and I'm not saying that God doesn't love you if you've made mistakes, but it's what you will do once he gives you the revelation of the mistake that's been made. Fight for unity. Desire the high calling. Isn't that what Paul was talking to the the church of Corinth when he when he told him in First Corinthians? 13 about what love really looks like you know he had just in in 12 been talking about the spiritual gifts 
he said, but now I will show you a more excellent way. Love is everything. If you have love for others, then you are revealing the love that you have for Christ to others. And he will make himself manifest among us. What more could we possibly want? Let that be the desire of your heart. Let that be the cry of your heart in these tumultuous times when there's so much uncertainty and we are so hyper aware of the fact that the world is a mess right now and our lives are a mess. Let that be the cry of our heart. And he would make himself manifest to us as we press in for that high calling which is to reveal him to all who are put in our circle of influence. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And I love you all. And it, if you have any questions or you desire prayer, feel free to email me at face2facekmj at gmail.com. Many blessings and until next time. Mm-hmm.